Welcome to the Ladybirds Podcast. We are here having open conversations about mental health, sex, and womanhood. Dear diary, my teen angst bullshit has a body count. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Need a boyfriend who's not such a complete bonehead. Don't have sex standing up. All I see is pork soils. You're a virgin who can't drive. Just don't do it, promise? This is me, Gabby, and I like folk music, and I like to talk about Tyler Cameron. Cameron. I I love him. He's cute. My name is Mandy. I love to talk about movies. Just rewatch Get Out, which is fantastic. And I also love to talk about sex, but in this week's theme, I love to talk about destroying the patriarchal capitalist society that our disgusting white ancestors have built and how we can destroy it to make it a better world. So who is the disembodied voice that is... uh, (laughs) That is here. I'm the disembodied voice joining you from many miles away. I'm Kate. I like I like reading books. It's hard to think of things I like these days. <laughs> Everything is a big black pit. I like plants and I like talking to my friends about things that are important, like healthcare. Today, unfortunately, is the day after Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the Supreme Court and we are also one week away from all polls closing and the next president of the United States being determined and so with that in the air we decided that we wanted to take an episode to focus on voting. It's a privilege to be able to sit here today and feel that your rights and your way of life will be preserved whatever this outcome is or what is down the line. And so we kind of wanted to step back and we wanted to talk about stuff that's really important to us. And And it's also important to note that it is a privilege to get to vote. And there is so much voter suppression out there. And the best way to remedy that is to go out and vote. Like Mandy was saying, there are a lot of topics and a lot of reasons why you should have been paying attention to the election and why you should be voting from climate crisis to Black Lives Matter to healthcare, which we'll be mostly talking about today. There are a lot of things going on and we felt that today the one that felt the most personal to the stories that we wanted to talk about today was focusing on healthcare and the disparities and the inequalities around healthcare and also just how fucked up the system is. So we're doing this seven days before the election. Go out and vote. And for those that have voted, right on, dude. Yeah. I would definitely say healthcare and both the candidates' plans on how to move forward with our current system has been one of the most polarizing and I think pressing topics on the campaign trail. We really are at a turning point in the United States on whether we will continue with our system in which healthcare is primarily handled in the private sector, individuals find health insurance through either their employer or by paying for their own private plans, both of which does still come out of their pocket, or if we will move forward to a universal system in which all individuals are guaranteed access to health services through a system that is funded by the government through our tax dollars as well, there is a very good chance this will all come to a head very soon 
Amy Coney Barrett was just confirmed to the Supreme Court, making it a majority conservative court. And on November 10th, they're due to review a case that will challenge the ACA or the Affordable Care Act. For those who don't know, the ACA, aka Obamacare, was passed in 2010, and it was basically the most recent push in expanding and ensuring more Americans have health insurance, access to, you know, medical help. What I'm going to tell you is very much the abridged version. This is incredibly complicated. I don't know all the ins and outs, but essentially through this act, 23 million Americans today have been able to be insured. And the act also regulated some of the more predatory aspects of the private insurance industry, including being able to discriminate against individuals for having pre-existing conditions. So prior to this being passed, you could be denied coverage or you could be charged a higher premium if you were deemed to have a pre-existing condition. And so for those who think they might not have one, acne, pregnancy, depression, anxiety, diabetes, all fall under that. The ACA also ensured that many individuals could stand under their parents' health insurance until they were 26. And I will talk a bit about that today, but that really has helped me and kind of saved my life because I am still under my parents' health insurance. And with somebody who has pretty serious medical needs, having that and being able to focus just on my health and not on fighting insurance and how am I going to afford what I need to survive has definitely helped me. The ACA by no means is perfect. This is very complicated health insurance, how to navigate, how to create a system in our country that works for all individuals is incredibly complicated. But we will see whether we will move forward to a universal system towards one in which healthcare and treatment is considered a human right because healthcare, access to healthcare is incredibly important. It has affected all of our lives. It has affected people we love. And so that's why we wanted to get here, get on this pod, talk about why it's important and why your vote next week, I guess, oh my God, it's so close. Your vote next week will directly affect the livelihoods of so many people. You do know who you love and who you don't know. And so that's what we're here today. So let's take it away. I mean, fuck, we all know that we are in the middle of a pandemic that does not seem to end, that is constantly looming over us. And so it is no surprise that COVID has played a huge role in this election and how we look and how we compare the candidates' approach to handling the pandemic, but also healthcare in general. If we look at the cases in the U.S. for COVID, it has officially reached 8.82 million with 226,000 deaths. And again, cases are continuing to rise. And if you want to compare it to the worldwide numbers, just to give you a perspective of how unbelievably bad Donald Trump has fucked us over. Worldwide, we have reached 43.8 million cases and 1.16 million deaths. So for being the developed and wealthy country that the U.S. is, we have reached an insane amount of cases and deaths. What kind of amount is it? An insane amount. An 
insane amount. I do think it's also important to note how COVID has highlighted how much racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic inequity is experienced by lower income communities and communities of color. BIPOC and LGBTQI plus individuals disproportionately experience barriers to treatment and quality care. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, Black adults are 20% more likely to experience serious psychological distress, but half as likely to receive mental health treatment, support, or medication. And this kind of goes similarly to LGBTQI+. This is not news. Healthcare disparities and inequity in Black and Hispanic Americans have has been happening forever. And considering a lot of those people are also essential workers that are not provided proper healthcare. And our current president, Donald Trump, is telling you that you don't have to wear masks or that he went through COVID himself and he survived. But like, who in this world is getting the care and the access to all the fucking drugs and top doctors that he got? Who who in this world is able to get that? Well, in fun fact, one of the treatments that he received that's um, like a trial drug, like he really wasn't even supposed to get it, but he got it because of celebrity type treatment, I guess. But... One of those treatments that he got was from stem cell research that he actively is trying to make illegal because it comes from aborted fetuses. And he blocks that. So when a woman has an abortion for any reason, she can donate the fetal tissue to science. And he is behind legislation against the use of the fetal tissue that helped develop part of the treatment that he got. I think I have great relationships with all people. I am the least racist person in this room. He is just sweet-talking the shit out of dumb Republicans. Yeah, he stands for nothing, and I stand by that. So in case you are still undecided about who you would like to vote for, the New York Times has a really great quick breakdown of kind of how Trump and Biden compare and contrast when it comes to health care. And so just a couple key points when it comes to overall health coverage, Trump is asking the Supreme Court to overturn the Affordable Care Act, which, as we discussed earlier, provides coverage to millions of Americans. He says he would like to replace it, but has released zero details as to how we would do that as to any sort of plan. Biden, on the other hand, supports expanding ACA subsidies and also he supports creating a public option. When it comes to pre-existing conditions, Trump says he wants people with pre-existing conditions to be covered and protected, but that is only possible under the ACA and by wanting to overturn that, he is thus making that point null. And Biden, on the other hand, supports pre-existing conditions protections under the ACA and wants to preserve it in general. So quickly, that's how they both stand on health care and coverage. If you ask me, Trump's got like three ideas. I believe Biden has just a much more robust platform as usual. None of these candidates are perfect. They are far, far from it. However, there is a very clear choice here for who is going to open up the path to create a more a future that that we want and i I recently will take care of their 
people. Yeah. And Obama recently did an interview on um, Pod Save America. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Obama did an interview. They actually had Joe Biden over the weekend too. It was, was good. Amazing. I didn't get Biden, but Obama did an interview with Pod Save America and he kind of spoke about like neither of them are, are perfect, but if you have a chance to get 30% of the policies you want, 50% of the policies you want. Why not vote and try and push that candidate who will get you 30 to 50 rather than not voting? For me with this entire election, I have been reiterating the idea that I'm voting for policies. I'm voting for the cabinet. I'm not necessarily voting fully for the candidate, for that person. I don't mind kind of sharing my story and my personal experience with with healthcare and our system. I think um, I am type one diabetic. I have been diabetic since I was 16. So I used to, I like to joke that there was a before time. So I do remember what life was before um, a very life changing and a life altering illness that takes day to day maintenance. Um, and I'll never forget when I was diagnosed. I was in the hospital room and my mom started sobbing. We had been there for hours. They had basically told me, you know, for the rest of my life, I'm going to have to take shots and take insulin at meals. The nurses basically gave her a printout of my first order of all the medical equipment and supplies I would need month to month. And she started to sob. They always have like a social worker there when you are essentially diagnosed with a chronic illness. They pulled her aside and I now know that she started to sob because she understood the financial burden and the burden that I would feel for the rest of my life because of a chronic illness because we live in a system that does not provide for those in our country who are not 100% able-bodied. And that image haunts me And it haunts me to this day because I understand now more of why she cried. She was overwhelmed for what I was going to have to face. And so I'm incredibly passionate about a system that makes access to basic health needs (laughs) doable because every month I am now on an insulin pump, which is a different system. And I'm currently under my parents' health insurance, so I'm very lucky. I'm 25, and the only reason I am still under my parents' health insurance is because of ACA making it a mandate that you can stand your parents' health insurance. And I'm very lucky because my parents' health insurance is pretty good. But every month, um, I have to to order insulin to stay alive. I need test strips to check my blood sugar. I need lancets to prick my fingers. I need ketone strips to double check if I have ketones. I need blood ketone strips. I need urine ketone strips. I need so much medical equipment and that's just to keep my body functioning and running. In recent months, I think a a big topic has been the price of insulin. That's what I think has been making a lot of waves. And I require three, four vials of insulin to live a month. Out of pocket, that's about $1,000 just for the insulin out of pocket. And to put that in perspective, in our country, the price of insulin per unit is 98 dollars and 70 cents 
In Japan, it's $14.40. In Canada, it's $12. In Germany, it's $11. In France, it's $9.08. In the United Kingdom, it's $7.52. We're moving to the UK. (laughs) That's what we're telling you. We're moving to the UK. Yeah, so we're moving to the UK. We're moving. And so I like to talk to people kind of about what I have to deal with month to month financially because... I'm really scared to turn 26 because of what I'm going to have to face. This is really hard for me to talk about, but I think this is so important to share with people because you need to understand that for many people, when you cast your vote on November 3rd, you are directly affecting the livelihoods of many people. And for me, it comes to my healthcare, but for other people, it comes to their rights, reproductive rights. It comes to being protected from racist police in our country. And you need to understand that you, when you go to that poll, when you go and you vote on November 3rd, you are taking the livelihoods of your fellow Americans into your hands. And I ask that you take a minute and you think about yourself and the people around you and you think before you cast your vote. I don't know if that made sense, but I think that made a lot of sense. (laughs) I think, and I know it's really cheesy, but it's also true. And it's that it's incredibly brave of you to be so open about your experience with diabetes. And not only here today on this podcast, but in the way that you carry yourself. And I think kind of what you were saying before, we have this misconception that if you're young and you look able-bodied and or appear healthy, then you must be able-bodied or you must be healthy. And the reality of the situation of this country of healthcare the one in four american adults have a disability that impacts their day-to-day life part of what gets me fired up about it is because people don't know a lot about what it's like to live with a disability i didn't know what it was like before you know i was diagnosed and i think what's the hardest is because the way our healthcare system is it it complicates the situation. It makes my life harder. And to be perfectly honest, our healthcare system makes us sicker. I like to share this this personal experience. So I have a continuous glucose monitor, which is attached to me with these sticky pads. And in the last year, I found that I can wear these things for about 10 days. And I would find like four days in, I'd start to get a really bad burning sensation. Five, six, seven days in, it was really hurting. And then I would find by the 10th day, essentially, the adhesive on these pads, they strip my skin. They burn my skin. And when I found out this, I tried to contact my insurance and to provide me with just an extra box so that I could cut down on the amount of time that I would be required to wear each of these sensors so that it didn't burn my skin off. But my insurance essentially told me that it's not covered and that they will not pay for an extra box a month. And so the fact that we live in a, in a country where I have access to this technology, 
but there's always these restrictions and I figured out a workaround you know thank god for reddit and all these online forums but I like to tell people it's like I have access to this I'm fortunate because I'm covered but because of the way our private insurance is created I'm covered but with a little asterisk that is a small example of so many other things there's all these loopholes that we have to constantly jump through and that's what i try to talk to people about why we need a universal health care system because there shouldn't be so many loopholes that we have to jump through just to take care of ourselves we have a system that is actively trying to make us sicker and at the end of the day it comes down my insurance doesn't want to pay more they don't want to give me those sensors and so all i'm trying to say y'all is the system we have is not working it's not working. People are dying, people are suffering, and we need to move towards changing it because it's not working. And I like to talk to people about my experiences within it because I think it's very small things, but I think it just speaks to the issue that at the core of it, when you have a system that is privatized, that is built on making money off of people like me who have medical conditions, it ultimately comes down to them making money over actually protecting us and us staying healthy. So that's my thing. Wow, I cried. Oh, but it's good to cry. (laughs) No, but you were saying how our system and our government makes us sicker, and it's true. We like to put band-aids on things, on real issues. I mean, President Donald Trump issued his promise of lowering drug prices by putting America first, but really that is a trick. He's tricking the public into believing that his administration will make meaningful changes to prescription drug prices and call that his healthcare plan for all American people. But when in reality, he's never actually addressing or working on implementing policies or a plan that improves the access that Black and Hispanic adults in the United States have to healthcare. And according to the Commonwealth Fund, between 2013 and 2016, with the installment of the ACA, the uninsured rate dropped from 24% to 13% among black adults and from 40% to 25% among Hispanic adults. But since 2016, so essentially since Trump came into office, that progress has completely halted. So once again, when we fail to expand health care for all, we're failing our black and Hispanic communities. And Kate, when we worked at the same job, I remember we were walked through our health insurance and they, and at one point, they were talking about how mammograms are covered, but only after you're 40. And so we don't cover preventative care. So people are getting sick. It's it's amazing, these loopholes, you know. I think I just lucked out with my primary care because I've been with her for like years and years. And she very much, like she does a breast exam every year. And then she goes over, every single year goes over doing a breast exam at home being like this is what you look for don't forget your armpits like (laughs) goes in depth about it so I think I just lucked out with that but yeah no it's wild to be told like oh we'll cover mammograms but only past the age when you should start getting them like well past the age when you should Mm -hmm. start getting them when it's probably already in a problem zone because if they do preventative measures, they will save everyone money in the long run, but they don't want that. They want you to be sick because they'll make more money off of you getting cancer treatments from them than they will if they catch it early and you can have a one and done surgery and have it removed. I think what 
drives me the most crazy when it comes to the debate about healthcare is that I don't think any person in the United States is really happy with the system we have right now, whether they feel like they're paying too much or whether they don't feel like they are covered enough. No one is happy. What is hard is that people are too scared and are unwilling to to change what we have right now. To be honest, we have a healthcare system that puts profit over people. When you have a system in which private the private sector makes money off of insuring people, where they make money off of providing medical equipment, of course, to increase their profits, they will try and create loopholes to decrease how much they have to pay. You'll see that in small forms where to access this doctor, you can't because there's in-network and out-of-network doctors, you need referrals for doctors, you have to pay a deductible out of pocket, which I saw a fantastic tweet that once kind of broke down the idea of deductible. And think of it in, as if you went to go get a pizza and they said, before you can order a cheese pizza from us, you have to pay us $1,000. And then once you get your pizza, it's $25 for the cheese. But if you want sauce on your pizza, that's going to be $50. And it has to be a certain marinara sauce in stock. And if that marinara sauce is not in stock, then you get another marinara sauce that is $400, not $5. It's like if you take the way our system works and put it in any other lens, be it pizza, be it cake, be it a store, you can write off the that you see how how faulty is people are dying with this system but the difference is that you yourself do not have to see it you do not have to witness it and so that is why this system can be more comfortable and so that's why people are willing to sit with this system and for others who are not as privileged they see the system for what it is yeah i think you are very on point to say that this is a very fucked up system that benefits only a very small amount of millionaires and fucks everyone else over. And going back to the point that there are only really two ways that you can get somewhat of a good health insurance. And that's either from your parents, if you're under 26 or from your employer. And, you know, with COVID, I think that was a really really tough time for people like me who I would still technically qualify to be under my parents insurance however my parents don't live here because they can't afford to live here so that wasn't an option for me when COVID happened and there was everything was starting to reopen way way before it was even safe to do so in my opinion I got told by my employer that I essentially could come back or potentially risk losing my job and that meant losing my health insurance so this is really a way to bait you and put you stuck in a position and in an environment that is not necessarily safe or healthy because you essentially don't have a lot of other choices, especially when there's a deadly pandemic happening. So that was really fun for me. Well, and before anybody goes down the hole, if you lost your job, you would have COBRA coverage. I found out what our COBRA coverage was from the job that you guys are still at. $750 a month for health insurance. How am I supposed to pay that when I don't have a job anymore? And as you say, like, I'm coming from a super point of privilege, but I just can't even imagine what immigrants are experiencing right now because I know what it's like to go through the system as a person with privilege. And it's a fucking nightmare. That's a great point, Kate. It affects, like, everybody. Everybody has somebody in their family. Everybody knows somebody. 
and I myself have a condition, it's called a Chiari malformation. So essentially the back of my skull did not form correctly when I was in the womb. So instead of being like a nice little cup for your cerebellum to sit in, mine grew in flat. So my cerebellum didn't have anywhere to go. So it herniated into my spine and it grew into my spinal column. And kind of what you talked about, Mandy, I think people kind of using medicine as a band-aid and just kind of, they're not, they're just treating the symptoms and not really trying to help you get to the cause of anything. And that was very much my experience with my diagnosis. I basically started having headaches when I was 12 or 13. And it got to the point where by the time I was like 15, 16, I had a headache at pretty much all points. Like I basically did not have a headache. I would get multiple migraines a week. Um, and it was really hard because a lot of times my parents were like, no, you're just trying to get out of school. Like you need to go to school now. But it comes with like a whole host of stuff. Like, how do you, how does a 12 or 13 year old articulate that? Well, and it was scary. And like we joke as a family now, because when I was a kid, I used to tell my mom, like I, when I learned about like medieval times, I used to tell my mom like, mm-hmm. "You need to drill a hole in my head and le- let the evil spirits out," like they did in the medieval times. Like I think I'm being possessed. Something is wrong with my brain, and you need to fix it. Oh. And like I was a hypochondriac. I was convinced I had a brain tumor from like a really young age, and it's hard because like I totally see it from my parents' perspective of like, this little shit just doesn't want to go to school again. Yeah. But it was just very hard because it, it's, and Mandy, I feel like you probably have a similar experience of it's like an invisible illness. If you don't tell people something's wrong with you, people look at you and they're like, you're, you're young and healthy. But it got to that point after trying, like, I tried blood pressure medication, anti-seizure medication. Like, they tried me on a whole host of things that are supposed to fix migraines. And it got to the point where I said to my neurologist, if it, if down the road, because again, I'm a hypochondriac and I thought I had a brain tumor, I was like, if I find out down the road that I had a brain tumor this whole time and you did not give me an MRI, I'm going to come after you. And he was like, you know what? Why don't we get you that MRI? And I was like, why don't we? (laughs) Well, they take an MRI. He looks at it and was like, oh, well, I don't know what this is, but something's like definitely not right. So he got me an appointment with a neurosurgeon and those are the people who told me what the condition was. And they basically were like, Um, So yeah, brain surgery. And again, drove myself to the hospital thinking that they were going to be like, you have something funky that can't be fixed. So it is what it is. And I left finding out that I would get brain surgery six months later. And I think that's the other frustrating thing is I like tell people that I've had brain surgery. And essentially what they did for anyone who's interested is take out a piece of my skull in the back, like a little circle. And the hope is that my brain will have more space and it'll relieve pressure and help the flow of like spinal fluid work better but it's not it's not a fix it's just something that they can do to relieve the pressure but like the condition doesn't go away so fucking vote peeps so vote yeah literally our healthcare hangs in the balance it's absolutely ludicrous that such a developed and wealthy country like the united states healthcare is not considered a human right it's political and it's a privilege and it should not be i can't comprehend why a country does not want to invest on the health and well-being of its people we need to vote for policies that support a comprehensive healthcare plan one that works that is affordable and accessible for all this isn't a radical idea. Universal healthcare is not a radical idea. And this country can easily afford this. This is a protection of its people, of Americans. 
and an investment in their future and well-being. I know that in the following days, it's going to be really hard. And so we need to take time to reflect, to harness good energy, and to take care of ourselves, take care of your body and your mind, because your health is important. And we're facing something really scary and overwhelming. And so it's important to take those moments for yourself. So make sure that you check in on yourself today and go vote if you haven't. So with that being said, how are y'all doing okay today? My doing okay this week is shout out to Kathy. She uh, made an apple pie. Kathy is my mother. Um, Made a bomb ass apple pie and I uh, stuffed my face with a lot of it before we started recording this. Oh, fuck yes. Fuck yeah. A good apple pie with fresh, was it fresh apples and all that? Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, I think I might do okay. Okay. So my doing okay, a very, very dear friend of mine is moving to Colorado. So that's quite sad. But hey, dude, dude, we know you're listening. (laughs) Tell us where you are on your road trip. Yeah. But uh, he's also an incredibly talented bass player. And the other day, he taught my unmusical ass how to play the opening lines to the White Stripes Seven Nation Army. The bum, 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 bum. It took me like 20 minutes and I could tell in his eyes him realizing that I'm probably the hardest student ever, but it was just really exciting to like pick up an electric bass and then like pretend that I could get my shit together. So- I'm actually struggling a little bit to find my doing okay moment this week, but I got to spend time with a friend of my boyfriend's and although I've known him for technically two years now. This was really the first time that I got to chat with him in a very different light, in a very different setting. And so it was a very fun evening to be with my boyfriend and his friend. And yeah, (laughs) it's simple. But, you know, during COVID times, it's like these little things, these little meaningful interactions that you have with people that really make a difference sometimes. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Yeah, thanks for listening. You have seven days to go vote. Well, when you listen to this, you'll probably only have like four days. So get out there and vote. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, y'all? Go out and vote. Bye. Bye.